Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and happy Super Bowl Sunday. And if it's Super Bowl Sunday, if there's a Super Bowl on TV, there should be a Super Bowl on your dinner table. That was so corny, I'm sorry. But this week, I found myself in possession of mm, between like 12 and 15 pounds of onions. So I know that last year I did have like that soup episode where I believe I made French onion soup and like a pumpkin soup or something. I don't remember what the other one was. One was in a pumpkin, so I assume it was pumpkin soup. And I made French onion. But I wanted to revisit French onion soup as a standalone episode, mainly because I had a huge amount of onions and I was going to be making French onion soup anyway. I ended up making like four quarts, had it for dinner while we watched the game, and then I have it you know, jarred up in the fridge to distribute amongst uh, family members and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so we might as well make some French onion soup on the podcast. Now, listen, when you look at the show notes for the recipe for this one, I will have the recipe for a reasonable quantity of French onion soup. You're basically using four pounds of like onions, yellow onions. Uh, you can use a mix of onions. We'll talk about that in a minute. But whenever I go through, I'm just going to talk about like the ingredients in general because, you know, my batch was three times the size and you can, you can just multiply everything by three, but in some things you kind of want to overshoot, like the, the bigger you scale up the recipe, the more like everything doesn't scale linearly necessarily. Okay. So some of these things I'm just going to say like, oh, I used butter. Now, in the, in the recipe, it'll say three tablespoons of butter. I used considerably more butter than that. But then, yeah, that's it. I don't believe there's no reason we should have any special ingredients or special equipment for this. I mean, do you have a pot? Do you have butter? You know, you can work this out. So there won't be anything like that. We'll have the imager album with the step-by-step -step photographs and all that kind of stuff. And that's it. This is, I mean, simple process but it is this is definitely this is the epitome of a process recipe you know what i mean like the ingredients are so simple but the process is it's not difficult it's just long you know what i mean there is no shortcut to caramelizing onions they'll say people oh my god you read some of these recipes online it's like okay caramelize the onions about 15 minutes 30 minutes you, you could slice one onion and I challenge you to caramelize that onion in 15 minutes. It's not going to happen. And the more onions you have, the longer it takes because you're working against moisture. You're working against the, the temperature wicking properties of moisture and evaporation, everything else. So uh, I'm going to tell you straight up, I mean, with four pounds, yeah, it's probably not going to take nearly as long as it did for me with my like 12 pounds, but 12 pounds of onions, I was basically stirring these and adjusting the heat up and down pretty much constantly for about three hours. Holy jeez. But you know what? It's a labor of love, you know, makes the house smell like a, a wonderful a French chateau in the middle of winter, which actually that's a, that's a good point. French onion soup would be a perfectly apropos recipe for right now. Right now we're in the middle of February, right? The middle of Appalachian winter. And 
here's the thing. When you go back far enough in time, you're storing food from the prior year's harvest to overwinter, to survive until the following spring, right? And uh, oftentimes you'd have a root cellar. And in your root cellar, you would have, can you believe it? Roots, you know, onions, carrots, potatoes, turnips. Apples aren't roots, but you'd have apples down there. They store very well over the winter. But every so often, you need to go down there and you need to check your produce because if one starts going bad, that pestilence will spread to the neighboring fruits, vegetables, tubers, whatever. As the saying goes, one bad apple ruins the bunch, right? So you got to go down there. And if you got a, if you got an onion that's starting to go a little soft, you need to cull it from your collection of onions. And not only do you need to pull that onion, you should probably pull the onions that are immediately adjacent to it. So front, back, left, right. So boom, one bad onion or one onion that's starting to go bad turns into five onions that you should consume right now. You know what I mean? So... What better way to make use of onions that are going a little dolce than to make French onion soup? Because you're going to cook and simmer and caramelize over hours and hours and hours. You're going to accentuate the sweetness and the onionness of the onions. And then you're going to be dumping in some really heavy, dark, thick. Sorry, I went off the deep end there. Uh, real, I was going to say really heavy, dark, thick flavors, but that I, I got too into the character and I forgot what word I was going for. But like beef stock and Worcestershire sauce and garlic, uh, even the even the spice, or not the spices, the herbs, thyme and bay leaf. Not, I mean, kind of bright. You know, I like to describe bay leaf as a bright flavor, but whenever it's like simmering in there with all that all that onion and butter and, and beef stock and everything like that, it really adds a nice richness to it. So think of this as the perfect way to make use of produce that you would be trying to salvage, salvage some nutrition from before you had to waste it, before it went to waste, before it went bad, you had to pitch it or whatever. You know, you you see little hints of this sentiment throughout literature, you know, in in Geoffrey Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales, uh, it starts, you know, when an opera, when Sakura Suta, you know, when, when in April, when the when the soccer is sweet, you know, when the world is waking up from winter, from the darkness of winter, when it's April and, and everything's coming alive. And then T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, uh, I believe uh, the common sentiment is that it's a, an homage to Chaucer, but it starts with winter is the cruelest month, or not winter. I, keep, I, I may have said winter in the last uh, thing that I was saying when I met April. April is the cruelest month. And the reason for that is that your sundries, your your root cellar, your produce that you've put up from last year's harvest, it's going to start getting pretty thin by April. You know, as you get to the end of winter, the beginning of spring, you're down to the bottom of the potato barrel. You're down to the bottom of the apple barrel. You're down, down, you're down to the bottom of the onion barrel. Uh, if you miscalculated by not very much, you're looking at starvation, right? And it's cruel because the world is waking up. It's verdant and fecund and uh, everything's alive and growing, but there's nothing to eat. It's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to, I mean, obviously in medieval Europe, you wouldn't have tomatoes anyway, but you're not going to have tomato plants bearing fruit in April. I mean, what what are you going to have? Some brassicas, maybe some cabbage, radishes, lettuce. Not super nutrient dense, not like a well-balanced, bountiful 
harvest you know, early in the spring like that. So you better hope that you made good use of the stuff that you were able to overwinter, um, which means, you know, going through and being like, oh, onions are getting a little soft here. Let's make some French onion soup. So let's begin. Whole bunch of onions. The, uh, the recipe text will say four pounds. Butter, uh, garlic, dry white wine. I use Pinot Grigio. Uh, you could use Chardonnay. Just stay away from like the buttery Chardonnays. And you don't want anything like an ice wine or a dessert wine. You want to keep this. Uh, uh, Sauvignon Blanc would be fine. Pinot Gris, uh, I don't know. You don't want like a Gewürztraminer. It's way too sweet. So dry white wine, beef stock, Worcestershire sauce, bay leaf, thyme, salt and pepper, and then you're going to want a baguette and some melty white cheese, probably from the Swiss family of cheeses. Traditionally, it'd be like Gruyere, even maybe like a mix of Gruyere, Gouda in, in Swiss. I used Jarlsberg because, hey, I'm shopping at a podunk, you know, Green County grocery store. I got to take what I can get. And that was the Swissiest of the Swiss cheeses that I could find at Dwaynesburg Giant Eagle. So I went with uh, Jarlsberg. But Gruyere, I think, is is the canonical, or at least the anchor cheese. And then you can mix it up. You could throw in a little Asiago in there. Even, even you know, like a dry, like really uh, firm mozzarella. But I right, come on, let's not go there. <laughs> we want to keep this in the in the French, Italian, Swiss sort of uh, family of cheeses. Okay, first off, let's see. Our onions, how are we going to prep these? If you're doing a, a reasonable size batch of French onion soup, you can definitely cut these with a knife by hand. You do want to slice them fairly thin. And we're just like slicing them, um, what would you call, equatorially, lat latitudinally, right? So that you're getting all these little rings of onions. You want to slice them pretty thin. I, because I had a mountain of onions to go through, I used a mandolin, and I'm going to give you my standard disclaimer. If you use a mandolin, please pay attention and be careful, and for God's sakes, use the handguard, okay? Because you want French onion soup. You don't want French onion blood soup, and that is what you will have if you're trying to whip through a big pile of onions using a mandolin and not using the handguard. So use the handguard, and be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. Of all, I mean, I live on a farm. Everything can kill me. Machines, tools, animals, whatever. The thing that strikes fear in my heart is the mandolin. Probably because I've cut myself about 37,000 times on it, okay? So I use the mandolin, and I did it real thin. That's a, that's a great benefit of the mandolin is that you can do these paper-thin, like little wispy slices of onion that just turn into these gossamer, gossamer threads of flavor whenever they're cooked down. And they will maintain their structure. It's not like they're going to melt into a sludge. I mean, it looks like a sludge, but um, they definitely keep their structure, like these little threads. So cut those nice and thin and uh, in a heavy-bottomed pot, okay? If, again, if I was making a reasonable amount of French onion soup, I would use the enameled cast iron Dutch oven. But that would not even begin to hold the amount of onions that I was cooking. So I used a big stock pot and get your butter melted in there. You don't brown the butter, you know, just basically get it melted and then get your onions in there and immediately toss the onions to kind of coat them with butter as much as possible. You're going to simmer these, or not simmer, you're going to caramelize these onions and you want to do it slowly and deliberately, but you don't have to have like a super gentle touch. I mean, I basically did this 
80% of the time at medium high heat and with a wooden spoon, pretty much every 90 seconds or so, I would stir them around a little bit so that they were not always the same onions having contact with the bottom and, you know, prematurely browning. Like you want everything to sort of transition from white to caramelized color slowly over time. Like you don't want to um, scorch them, turn them over, scorch them again and do that because then you're going to get these fried, crispy, bitter onions and that is not what we're going for. So keep them moving. And when I say I adjusted the heat, what you'll find is that you're going to go through like waves of liquid release. Once the onions really sweat the first, you know, initial run through, they're going to produce a lot of like milky white onion water liquid that is, I mean, it'll simmer away. It's not a problem. It's part of the process, but you kind of want to like get this water out of there as quickly as possible. So whenever I would notice that I was starting to pull up a lot of liquid, I would bump that heat up to high for maybe a minute at a time just to like very quickly boil off as much of that liquid as I could. And then whenever I could see that the bottom of the pan, as I kind of drag the spoon through there and part the, well, I guess it'd be like the white, whitish yellow sea instead of the red sea, but parting the sea of onions and see that the bottom of the pan is dry now, then I would knock that heat back down to medium high or maybe a little below medium high and just wait for the next flush of liquid. And it would happen pretty regularly, maybe every 10 or 15 minutes, uh, you come back and be like, hey, who, who added liquid to this pot? But I know that nobody did because I never actually went away to come back. I was there the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, so we do this and as, as that color starts to develop, and it's kind of going to be up to you how far you want to take that caramelization. Some people go like straight down to like a mahogany red brown. I pulled it a little bit earlier than that, knowing that I was going to concentrate additional color through the reduction of some of the cooking liquid that we'd be adding later, namely the beef stock and the Worcestershire sauce. So I didn't need to go as, as full on caramelized as, as what you may prefer to do, whatever it's up to you. I will tell you that whenever I got about 80% of the way there, when I was like, okay, these are getting close, probably within an hour, I'm going to be done with these onions. At that point, I chopped up my garlic real fine and threw them in there so that they could start, not so much that they would uh, saute or brown because they won't. They're basically just simmering in amongst these caramelized onions, but it gives it time for their garlicky flavor to like leach out into the onions, kind of distribute itself through there. So that's uh, what I did at the 80% mark. And then at the point where I was like, all right, these onions are uh, good enough. Let's uh, make some soup now. At that point, we're going to add our Worcestershire sauce, our beef stock, and our white wine. And then we'll throw in our bay leaf in time. Now, you will notice that at this point, I haven't salted this at all. And the reason that I'm waiting until closer to the end to salt this is that it's, it's a reductionary process. You're taking a huge amount of onions and reducing them to a small amount of onions. You're going to take a huge amount of liquid and reduce them to a, a large amount of liquid, but still uh, considerably less than you began with. If you season to taste too early, you will over-season it because at a large volume, what tastes appropriately salted will be over-salted when that large volume reduces to a medium volume. You know what I mean? Because water will evaporate out of this pot, but salt will not. 
Okay. So, so we got all our liquid in there. We got our, our, our herbs and we're going to cook that for a little bit. You will notice at the point in which you add all the liquid, you kind of bring it back up to a simmer. If you taste it at that point, it's going to be shockingly sweet. The caramelization of the onions is a process that concentrates sweetness. And what we're trying to do with a lot of these liquids is to, to tip the scales back over in favor of savory and salty once we salt it and pepper and everything like that. So rule of thumb, I don't even know if this is a rule of thumb. I made this up because I was thinking, did I do this? Yes, I actually did. Maybe this is the way it should always be. The amount of time that it takes you to sufficiently caramelize the onions, you want to simmer the soup with its liquid additions for an equal amount of time. So, you know, I spent about three hours caramelizing onions. Once I added all the liquids and everything, um, I let that go at a lower temperature, like flat medium to medium low for three hours. And what that does is that it gives it enough time to, to draw out the flavors of the bay leaf and the thyme, but also for the alcohol and the wine to cook off because it evaporates at a lower boiling point than water does. So you want the, you know, the alcohol to go and take that, that edge off. The acidity and the forwardness of the wine flavor, you want that to sort of diffuse into the background, which it did very nicely. You want the beef stock to be more forward, more, more sa that savory component to be up front. And for some reason, it just takes time for that to happen. And it did. And then finally, whenever you're looking at it, like, okay, probably not going to reduce this anymore. Maybe we reduced it by about 20% from its starting volume. At that point, we can start adding salt. Uh, depending on the amount that you have, you might want to add it at the rate of uh, a tablespoon at a time, get that salt in there stir it around a little bit so that it gets fully dissolved and, and incorporated, and then just take a little spoonful and see how it, <laughs> see how it tastes. Um, same thing with pepper. You'll need considerably less pepper than you do salt. The salt, you know, we need to actually sufficiently salt this top to bottom. The pepper, as it sits in there and it simmers all around it, the um, aromatic oils and everything in the ground pepper will uh, leach out and permeate the soup and it'll be fantastic. So after an equal amount of time simmering as you spent carbolizing, at this point we want to prepare our bowls. And you know, I'll, every, not every once in a while, three times a year, <laughs> I break out these like brown 1970s bean pots that my mother-in-law gave us like a hundred years ago. And they're fantastic. They're great for baked beans in the summer and they're great for soups in the winter or whatever. And they're fantastic for French onion soup. So I did make a couple of baguettes as well, but I didn't detail that process because you can just, you can just buy a baguette, cut them into, I actually cut them into two different shapes. I cut, started off at a, a very severe angle so that I got these nice oblong uh, slices of baguette. And then I squared off the end, end of the baguette and cut just little medallions, maybe half inch, three quarters of an inch in thickness. I put those on uh, just a, a skillet, drizzled olive oil over the top and salted them. And then I put them in the oven to toast them. Now, the way I did it in the oven, first I preheated the oven to 450 degrees. And then I put the, the oiled salted baguette slices into the oven. And at that point I increased the oven temperature to 475 degrees 
which would give it like a broiling effect. It's going into a very hot oven, so it's going to toast kind of all around evenly. But then because the oven is trying to increase the temperature an additional 25 degrees, that will help to actually toast the surface. And it worked fine. It took, I don't know, five or 10 minutes or whatever. Those come out of the oven. You have your onion, French onion soup in the bean pots or in the bowl or however you're doing it. I put one of the round medallions directly on top of the soup. And then I took one of the oblong, you know, the ones that I cut at that severe angle and planted that in the soup so it was sticking up. You can see this in the picture. Then I took my grated Jarlsberg cheese and sprinkled it fairly thickly across the top of the bowl, which of course is capped by one of those medallions of baguette. And then into the 450 degree oven. Now you can, if you want to, you can broil those to melt, melt and brown the cheese, but I just put them in there to melt the cheese and then pulled them out while the pots themselves didn't get so hot that I couldn't handle them. They were hot to the touch. I couldn't hold them for long periods of time, but I could pick them up with my bare hands. You know what I mean? So we get them out. The cheese is melted, but it hasn't browned. So this is where I use like a little brulee torch, a craft torch. It's just a little butane torch and hit that with the flame for, I don't know, five or 10 seconds, moving it all around. And that browned it up really nicely. And then we garnish that with, you guessed it, chives. Why? Because 15 pounds of onions wasn't enough onion flavor. We needed to garnish it with chive to bring some extra onion flavor to the surface. And guess what? They're very pretty. They're very cool looking. Um, I also, I added another little medallion of baguette because sometimes you just need a clean piece of baguette to brace against the cheese. If you're trying to get cheese and onion soup onto the baguette, you need something, you need like a, if think about it, it's like the broom and dustpan model, right? The dustpan is not very good by itself. The broom is not very good by itself, but when you get both of them together, you get a spoon, you get a piece of baguette that's clean enough that you can grab. It's not covered in melted cheese and soaked with French onion soup. You can really do some damage with that, and it's very good. So that's that, man. Uh, kind of a short, eh, it's not that short of a podcast, 20-some minutes, but it's not difficult, but it is time-consuming, and there are no shortcuts when it comes to caramelizing onions, no matter what a million and one cooking blogs say they it takes time and it will pay off it is rewarding it is delicious all right so that's that make soup enjoy winter survive till spring we'll talk to you guys next week